The book of Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 and 5. I want to preach this morning on God sent His Son. God sent His Son. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 and verse 5. I don't intend to keep you that long this morning. But I do want to share with you what I believe the Lord's put on my heart. Let's look Galatians 4 beginning at verse 4 and through verse 5. It says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Let's read it one more time. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Let's pray, Father in heaven. We're so thankful for this time of year. We're so thankful that you sent forth your Son. And we celebrate his birth. We celebrate his life. We celebrate his death and his resurrection. And without him, Lord, there'd be no reason for us to gather today. Our time together would be meaningless had you not sent forth your Son. And so today we praise you for sending your Son. We praise you, God, for his birth. We praise you, God, for everything that you've accomplished through him. And today as we open your word, I ask that you speak to us. I ask God that you would touch my mind, that I could think clearly, touch my lips, that I could speak plainly. And I pray today that you open the hearts of the people to receive. And Father, if there's one here today who does not know you, I pray today before they leave, their life would be changed, it would be transformed, and they could know you as Lord and Savior. And Father, for all that's accomplished, we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it all. In Christ's name we pray. And the people of God said... Amen. God sent His Son. In our society, Christmas means different things to different people. For some, Christmas is a time for gifts, trees and decorations, reindeer and Santa Claus. For some, it is a reason to get angry because there's so much talk about God and Jesus Christ. For some people, Christmas is a difficult time because of poverty or loneliness or painful memories or for lots of other reasons. In fact, some are going to have to spend their first Christmas without a loved one being present this year. And so Christmas means different things to different people. However, if you are a child of God, Christmas is a time to celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world. It's a time to worship, to remember, to thank God for His grace and to rejoice that there is a Redeemer. It's a time of joy, a time of peace, a time of wonder as we take the time to think about all God did to redeem us unto Himself. As I mentioned just moments ago in my prayer, had there not been the birth of Jesus, our time here today would be meaningless. Had Jesus not come into this world, had God not sent His Son, we're wasting our time today. We may as well pack up, close the doors, and never meet again. But I believe we have reason to celebrate today and it's because God sent His Son. You see, our text tells us the reason why we celebrate Christmas. In fact, I also believe it's one of the greatest claims in the Bible. You see it there in verse 4. God sent forth His Son. We have Christmas because God sent His Son to this world. Without Christ, there would be no Christmas Notice that God didn't send an angel. God didn't send a military leader. God didn't send some political figure. He sent His one and only Son. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the importance of God sending His Son into the world. I believe these verses give us three truths about God sending His Son. Number one, God sent His Son at the set time. God sent His Son... At the set time. 
Notice that Paul says, when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son. This means that the coming of Christ into the world was not by chance, it wasn't by accident, it wasn't by happenstance, but the birth of Jesus was under the strategic timing providentially set aside by God. His coming was not one day before or behind the appointed time. At exactly the right moment, Jesus Christ was born into this world. May I just say to us today that God doesn't do anything accidentally. God doesn't do anything by coincidence, but God does everything according to His time. Here's something we have to understand, that when God created the world, He also put time into effect. Until then, it was nothing but eternity. Eternity past, eternity future. But when God created the world, He also created time. And then He began to set His plan into motion so that one day His Son would be born into the world. Again, God doesn't do things accidentally. God doesn't just do things randomly. God has a purpose and God has a plan for everything that He does. And the birth of Jesus was no accident. He came at the set time. He came when. Everything was supposed to be fulfilled. First of all, it was the right time politically. Jesus came during the time period of what is known as the Pax Romana, when the Roman Empire experienced peace like the world had never experienced peace before. During this time of peace, Rome became a united empire ruled by a single emperor with one set of laws. The roads were improved to enable easy travel around the empire. The Greek culture had so permeated society to the point that Greek became the universal language at that time. Politically, everything was in place for the reception and spread of the gospel. But it was also the right time spiritually. God had prophesied and told that, hey, I'm going to send a Redeemer. I'm going to send a Messiah. And we see that God's chosen nation, the nation of Israel, were spiritually ready for the coming of Christ. We know that some didn't accept Him, and He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But there were people who were looking for the Messiah. And so the time was ready spiritually for Jesus to be born. The world was full of people who were spiritually starved. They were hungry for something more. That religion had left Him empty. Religion had left them barren. Religion had left them feeling hopeless. And so Jesus came into this world at the right time spiritually. Hungry souls were now ready to be met with the presence of God coming into the world. But it was also the right time prophetically. Again, God determined beforehand exactly when His Son would live on the earth. God worked everything out according to His timetable. It was not as if God was looking down throughout the history of mankind discerning when's the best time to send Jesus. God had planned it all out. In fact, God planned it from the very beginning. But as you read the Old Testament, you'll see that God prophesied time and time again concerning the birth of His Son. We see that Micah prophesied the place of the birth of the Messiah. Look at Micah 5 verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Micah prophesied that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. And we know that's exactly what happened when Jesus was born. Read the Gospels and you find Jesus was born in Bethlehem just like it was Prophesied. We also see that Isaiah prophesied of the manner of the coming of the Messiah. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. God said, hey, the son's going to be born through a virgin. And we know her name to be Mary. 
But we also see that Isaiah prophesied of the titles and the, uh, the, the, the names of the coming of the Messiah. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God prophesied that all of these things would take place, and they happened exactly as he told us they would. God planned the birth of Jesus, and God sent his son at the set time. And what does that mean for you and me today uh, to apply it to our lives? It means that God's always going to come through at the right time. That God's not early and God's not late, but God is on time. You may have walked in here today and you don't know how you're going to get through what you're going through. You may have walked in here today thinking that everything's hopeless and you see no way out but hear me at the right time God's going to intervene in your life at the right time God's going to turn the situation around at the right time God's going to come down and bring healing and bring provision and bring everything that you need because God doesn't happen accidentally God doesn't move randomly God does things according to his time and I believe God has a purpose for you and God has a purpose for me and that our our days have been ordained before we ever walked them out because God does things at the right time. Let me just ask you this. If God gave you everything you wanted when you asked for it, you wouldn't know how to trust Him. But here's the thing. If you'll trust Him, God will show up at the right time. We sometimes want it to come sooner. Sometimes we want God to move quicker. But I promise you, God shows up at the right time. So don't worry about what's taking place. Don't get ahead of Him and try to fix it yourself. Trust God because He does things at the right time. Amen? But a second truth I want to give to you today is that God sent His Son by supernatural means. God sent His Son by supernatural means. Notice that Paul goes on to say that God sent forth His Son born of a woman. Now when the Bible says God sent forth His Son, that word sent shows that He existed before He was born in Bethlehem. If you didn't already know this, Jesus didn't just come into being when he was born in Bethlehem. He's eternal. He's always has been and he always will be. And so his sending from heaven declares his divine nature. Listen today, Jesus Christ is God the Son, fully equal to the Father in glory and in power. His sonship is eternal. He is the only begotten Son of the Father, the second person of the Godhead who lived with His Father in glory from eternity past. But when the time had fully come, when the set time, when the right time had come, the eternally divine Son of God came down from heaven into the world. Listen, I don't know how to explain it all, but on that day some 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was born into this world. God took upon flesh. God took upon humanity. And He stepped on the scene. But how did it happen? Paul says he was born of a woman. Now again, the word sent implies his eternal deity, but the word born declares his humanity. In other words, he's 100% God, but he's 100% man. And so Paul says here when he was born of woman, he's saying that the Son who is God became God in the flesh. That's the doctrine of the Incarnation, God became man. John says it this way, John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We know who the Word was, it's referring to Jesus Christ. But then he says in verse 14 of his Gospel, And the Word became flesh and dwelt 
among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was the Word in eternity past, but the Word became flesh. He became just like you and me. He hungered and he thirsted and he got tired just like we do. I'm so glad that we have a Savior that knows what we go through. In fact, the Bible says that he was tempted on points like as we are, yet he was without sin. We have a Savior that is God, but is also man. That when we're going through things and don't know how to understand what our problems are like, Jesus can go to the Father and he can intercede for us because he walked in our shoes. But here's the question we have to answer. How could God become man? How could God take on flesh? Paul says he was sent, born of a woman. The implication of that statement is that Jesus Christ came into this world without the aid of a human male. In other words, Joseph was not Jesus' father. It was a stepdad on this world but it was not His Father. And so that means that the earthly DNA of an earthly man wasn't inside of Jesus. Because if it was, He couldn't die for us. He had to be sinless. Now here's the thing. Jesus had a normal birth. He came to this world just like everybody else. A normal birth. He had to come through the womb of a woman, through the canal of a woman, just like every other baby that's born. But his conception was supernatural. It wasn't the seed of a human man that impregnated Mary. The Bible tells us how she conceived of the Son of God. Look at Isaiah seven fourteen. The Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. Jesus was born of a virgin and I don't have to explain it to you, but we know that's not natural. Virgin women don't give birth to babies. So how did Mary, a virgin, conceive the Son of God in her womb? And let me just say something here about Mary. She's probably 14, 15, maybe 16 years old when she's conceiving the Son of God in her womb. And for the rest of her life, she's going to have to stick with that stigma that gets attached to her. Because in her day, it looked like she'd been unfaithful. But God had chosen her and picked her to be the mother of the Messiah. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 35. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Listen, she was chosen and she was favored. Why Mary out of all the other women? God had a purpose. God had a plan. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what men of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth the Son and shall call His name Jesus, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest and the Lord God will give Him the throne of His father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of His kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, notice her question, how can this be since I do not know a man? Mary knew how children come into this world. She knows that she's never been with a man. 
But yet the angel Gabriel is saying, hey, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. You're going to give birth to the Son of God, the Most High. And she says, how can this be? And notice how the angel responded. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 20. But while he thought about these things, this refers to Joseph, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Do you see how the conception took place? Do you see how a virgin gave birth to the Messiah? It was through the power of the Holy Spirit. It was a supernatural conception. No virgin before Mary had ever given birth to a child and no virgin after Mary has ever given birth to a child. It was supernatural. There's only one person that's ever been born of a virgin and his name is Jesus. But let me just pause for a moment and, and, and back up here. She said, how is it going to happen? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit. And I just say to you today, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, you're wondering how it's going to be done, I believe the Holy Spirit can show up. When you don't know which way to go, the Holy Spirit can show up. When you don't know how it's going to turn around, the Holy Spirit can show up and the Holy Spirit can move in your life. Amen? But God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born of a virgin, and it raises the question, why did God send His Son through supernatural means? And that raises my next point. God sent His Son to save sinners. He had to come through supernatural means because of His mission and purpose in life. He had to be God, but He had to also be man in order for us to be redeemed and for us to be saved. You see, a, sinless, a, 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 a sin-filled Savior could save Sinful people. So he had to be born of a virgin. He had to be pure. He had to be sinless and for order us to be saved. Paul says, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Notice verse 5. To redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Paul tells us the Son was sent for two reasons. Redemption and adoption. Let's talk about redemption for a minute. It means to buy back. That means we were on the auction block, so to speak. But Jesus came into this world and He redeemed us so that we could be right with God. And may I just say to us today that this is the culmination of the Christmas story. In fact, this is the very message of Christianity that Jesus came into this world to give His life a ransom for many. You see, He was born to die. Death overshadowed Him His entire life. Life. In fact, I've read before that the swaddling cloths that he was wrapped in were the same things that they wrapped their dead in. So from his birth, death overshadowed him. But why did he die? He died to redeem us. You see, we are sinners. We are sinful people. We want nothing to do with God. We deserve the judgment and condemnation of God. So God sent His Son to pay for our sins. That's why Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin to pay for our sins. You see, if He had had an earthly father, the sinful DNA of that father would have been passed to Him. And so He couldn't be the mediator between God and man. 
But because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, he was sinless and he could stand between God and man. He could bridge the gap and be the mediator. You see, the reason God sent His Son into the world through the virgin birth was to guarantee the birth of a perfect, sinless Savior who could bear the sins of the lost and satisfy the perfect demands of God. Again, without the virgin birth, there is no Savior. Without the virgin birth, there is no salvation. He was born of a woman, sent into this world through supernatural means so that He could redeem the lost. But He also said that we could receive adoption as sons. Not only has God redeemed us through sending His Son, we've been adopted into His family. You see, as believers in Christ, we are adopted children. God has taken us and loved us and cared for us and has considered us to be His sons and daughters. You see, today as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we're celebrating the birth of our older brother. He's our bigger brother. If you have put your faith in Christ, you are part of the family of God. You see, we're brothers and sisters of Jesus. And some people might think that sounds a little too far-fetched, but the reality is He's the firstborn of many is what the Scripture says. Jesus is my older brother. He's my bigger brother. And He's better than any other brother you could ever have. Amen? That's why we don't have to be afraid. That's why we don't have to worry. Because I've got Jesus, my brother, who'll be there for me. We've been adopted into the family of God. The Bible says we are children of God. I don't know about you, but that just that, that amazes me. It stuns me to know that I am a son of God. That in all my failings and all my flaws and all of my sinfulness through faith in Jesus, I've been brought into His And listen to what Paul goes on to say here in Galatians 4, verse 6 and 7. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We are sons and daughters of God, so we can call God Abba, and that means Daddy. He's our Daddy. God's our Daddy. He's our Heavenly Father. That's why you often hear me pray, Our Father in Heaven. Because I know I'm talking to my Father. Because of Jesus, I have that privilege. Because of Jesus, I have that access to call Him my Father. I'm not a slave that doesn't have access to Him. I'm not a slave that's been cut off to Him. I'm a son that can approach Him when I'm hurting. I'm a son that can approach Him when I'm broken. I'm a son that can have intimate fellowship and relationship with Him because God sent His Son. I want to say to us today that as believers, you haven't just been accepted by God. You've been adopted by God and brought into a new relationship with Him. As believers, we belong to the family of God. And I want to real quickly give you three truths about adoption. First of all, our adoption into God's family is permanent. Our adoption into God's family is permanent. You're not adopted into His family one day and disinherited later on. If you go out here into our legal system and adopt a child, that child is legally yours. They're yours. They may disappoint you, they may let you down, but if you said, hey, I'm going to choose to adopt this child, that child is yours. Forever. When God saves us, He adopts us into His family, and we become His child God doesn't kick you out when you mess up. God doesn't throw you away when you mess up. 
But God says, you're my child. Now part of being a child means that there will be correction. There will be discipline. But God does not throw His children away. That's because God sent His Son. And because we put our faith in His Son, we can be adopted into the family of God and know that no matter what, God's going to love us. And there's nothing in all this world, there's nothing in heaven or hell that can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus because we've been adopted into the family of God. You see, if you're here today and you've raised kids, you know sometimes kids will let you down. Kids will disappoint you. Kids will get on your nerves. Kids will frustrate you. But at the end of the day, they're still your kids. And I'm just saying today that I'm God's kid. And even though I, sometimes I fail Him and I have flaws in my life and I disappoint Him, God still calls me His Son because He sent His Son into this world that I could be adopted into His family forever. Hallelujah. We're secure in His family. And here's the thing, so many Christians don't believe that they're secure in God's family. And that's why you live this roller coaster of emotions. Because you think on your good days God's pleased with you and you're part of the family. But on your bad days you think somehow God's discarded you. Did you let me just put this in, our, in earthly terms. If you had a child and you based their relationship to your family on how well they behaved, How do you think that's going to affect that child? If they're good today, well, I love you. But they mess up tomorrow. Well, you're disinherited. You're no longer mine. What kind of effect do you think that's going to have emotionally on a child? They're going to have some issues. But if they know that no matter what, I'm loved. And they're accepted. They'll be okay. That's what's wrong with the world today. You've got a lot of people that they've been told they aren't loved and they aren't accepted. Their family has thrown them away. And that's how some Christians live their Christian life like they've been thrown away by God. Listen, God hasn't thrown anybody away. Never has, He never will. If you fall, He'll pick you up. Because we've been adopted into His family. You see, that's what good fathers do. They look after the kids. And if you'll begin to understand your relationship like that, that he's father and you're a child, it, it, it can totally, radically transform how you see him. Because many times we see God as needing to go to anger management classes. But listen, he's a God of love. And yes, there'll be some correction at times. And yes, there'll be some discipline. But it does it because he loves you. He whom the Lord loves, he chastens. That's what good fathers do. They chasten, they love, they protect. Listen, you aren't here because you've got here by yourself. You're here because you've got a good heavenly father that's protected you and brought you this far. It's no different from us being earthly parents to our children and God being a heavenly father to us, His kids. Secondly, our adoption into God's family means we have all the rights and privileges of a genuine son. In other words, if you adopt a child in this world today, they have all the rights as all your other children do. They have all the same privileges as your other children do. That means you can put them in the will and give them an inheritance just like you do your natural born kids. You have all, if being adopted means I've got the same rights as if I was born in the family. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 8, verse 16, 17. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Did you see that? We're heirs of God. 
joint heirs with Christ. That means we have an inheritance that belongs to us and we have the same rights and privileges as Jesus Christ Himself. That means what Jesus can receive, you and I can receive. You see, God has made available to us the riches of His grace, the riches of His glory, and the riches of His goodness. We have an inheritance that's been reserved in heaven for us. Amen? Why? Because we've been adopted into the family of God. But one third thing about adoption, our adoption into God's family makes us a new person. Our adoption into God's family makes us a new person. No longer does sin and the world have power over us. The old life with all of its debts and obligations and rules are canceled and wiped away. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. If you've been adopted to the family of God, you take on a new name. You're a new person. Not what you used to be, but you've been made new. You've been brought into the family of God. We have a name that God knows. Amen? A new name that He has given to us. Why? Because we've been adopted into the family of God. As I close this morning, I want to say that without the sending of God's Son, there is no Christmas and there is no reason to celebrate. I know kids get excited over Santa Claus and presents, but without Jesus, without God sending His Son, there's no reason to celebrate. There's no reason to be happy. There's no reason to sing. There's no reason to be joyful. The reality is, had God not sent His Son, we'd still be lost in our sins and on our way to hell. However, I believe that God sent His Son. And because He did, we can enjoy the greatest Christmas gift ever given. It's a gift too great for words. And so today, as we close out this service, I want you to always keep in mind the reason for the season. Let's keep Christ in Christmas. Because if not for Him, we couldn't celebrate. Stand with me this morning.